0: Welcome back Welcome back to Enlabro. I guess I should be saying that to myself. Hey, welcome back, Keith, to Enlabro. So I'll say that. I know it's been a couple of months, and I'm sure some of you might be wondering, what, did you give up on us? Did you give up on the podcast? No, I didn't. I was, uh, well, for the last couple of months in a Headspace game, uh, trying to uh, sort through all of the happenings and all of the goings on and what it means for me personally going forward with this podcast. So I appreciate your patience, and I look forward to uh, getting back to it after an extended period of time. I'm pretty happy with uh, this week's episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. Um, I think it might be some of the most important work I've done so far, so join with me as we explore this week's episode, The Narrow Road. And once again, thank you for listening. Uh, you may not know this, but more than one thing can be true, real, and accurate at any given time. I think this whole idea, um, that whole statement, captures the foundation of what I call the narrow road. In fact, I think uh, the fact that more than one thing can be true at the same time is exactly why the road is narrow. It gets pressured from multiple angles and multiple sides, and often looks impassable to those who are on it. It's pressed and it's overwhelmed at times by ideological spectrums and organizational arenas and human enterprises. Too much pressure either way and equilibrium is lost. It becomes way too easy and way too convenient to find wider roads on either side of the narrow path. And if you study these things, or if you pay attention to these things, or if you're like me, kind of amateurish uh, at these things, you will find out that this idea permeates human evolution. And within this vast wilderness of human development and observation, this idea, this concept of the narrow road is often represented by the serpent. Uh, Yeah, I know kind of surprising, right? We don't like to talk about snakes or serpents, but we're going to do it this week. The serpent appears in all manner and form of iconography throughout world history. Uh, the material, honestly, is far too vast to cite and expand each reference. It just, it would, I would do a whole podcast just on the different references throughout world history and ancient civilizations, so I'm going to reduce it down to my own understanding of what the serpent can embody and represent. Uh, Throughout history, it it represents fertility and flourishing and life cycle and the guardian of great treasures, uh, the sorcerer, the magician, the keeper of knowledge, Uh, crafty, deceptive, and shrewd. These are but a few references and characteristics from the historical record that capture this cunning idea of the serpent. But my understanding and viewpoint is that this idea has progressed along the spectrum from from literal to metaphorical. We now should see, if we don't already, that the serpent represents the entire uh, corrupted, complicated, and complex history of mankind's attempt to make sense of our own consciousness and our own existence, our own free will, and our own reason to act. In short, the serpent embodies the whole record of human interaction since time began. The serpent is the path on which we chose long ago to walk upon. The serpent twists and turns to gain forward motion, and if one wishes to move forward with it, you got to learn how to balance upon its back, for only on that narrow back of the serpent does one find any movement forward. The most obvious and common representation or icon at least in western culture is the serpent of eden and it kind of makes sense um but i want to expound a little bit on that this familiar antagonist who introduces itself as the evangelist for human consciousness and human potential when he says you can be like god if and only if you gain godlike knowledge so eat from the tree of knowledge see how it tastes see how enlightened life can really be. But the enlightenment does not go exactly as planned, and it never does. Exactly when we believe we've eaten enough enlightened fruit from the enlightened tree, enough to eliminate war and pestilence and famine and disease, enough to guarantee equality and fairness for all, enough to secure the future for posterity and beyond, that's when we are reminded that the value of enlightened knowledge exacts a terrible price for its revelation. Enlightened knowledge comes with sacrificial responsibility. And that latter part of the statement is the fine print of the contract. For the ultimate revelation and characteristic of a godlike life is to offer yourself to the responsibility of sacrificial love. Knowledge alone is not enough to control and subdue this narrow path that we that I've called the serpent. I mean, this is the true example of the true heroes of story and faithful living, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Noah, Moses, David, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Jr., Teresa of Calcutta. All of them had great knowledge, but they also had an understanding of the sacrificial responsibility of their knowledge, and all of them are either projections or reflections of the ultimate sacrificial love that we talk about in Christ. Jesus showed us how to stand on the back of the serpent and use this slithery world system to overcome. You know, as I referenced in the introduction, for the past two months I've been on a bit of a mental sabbatical. I haven't been active on social media, and I haven't done any writing or recording on the In podcast, and some of you have noticed, and for that I'm both really appreciative and also apologetic. I'm, I'm sorry I, I left so suddenly without much explanation. But the reason for the delay is fairly simple. I really, really needed to practice the discipline of paying attention of listening and observing the movements of the spiritual realm as they, re- as they reveal themselves through the physical realm, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And please hear me, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm definitely not claiming some type of special powers. In fact, I believe the ability to pay attention and see into the spiritual realm is simply a byproduct of walking according to the Spirit. I really believe it's available to all who wish to walk the narrow road, Some might be better at articulating what they see, hear, and feel, but the power to stand on top of the snake and see the broad roads and perils of destruction on both sides is available to all who desire it. I sincerely believe this, but it's not without its dangers. Standing on the serpent requires humility and love, and it requires humility and love because you're in the middle. And I've Realize as I've gotten older, and I I definitely see it in our current political climate and cultural climate, no one really appreciates the middle. But the serpent is only subservient to those who possess the fruit of humility and the fruit of sacrificial love. Humility and love are the two ends of the tightrope walker's balancing pole. Without them, we lose our footing and slip off into the chaos of sides, warfare and death follow easily if balance is not restored. I tell you this without any equivocation throughout history, it is very easy to see warfare and destruction follow an imbalance. The last two months I've watched this worldly serpent throw almost everyone off its back using the same insidious and futile temptation of knowledge. The pride, the arrogance, the ego of self-absorbed knowledge has radicalized the left and the right in our country. Every day, new orthodoxies are established that are really just old deceptions repackaged in shiny new vessels. There's truly nothing new under the sun. Each side knows how righteous their campaign is. There is no doubt, there's no humility, and there certainly is no grace for the other side. We're right, and they're wrong. This type of absolute knowledge is the tired, rotten, and deceptive fruit of the tree. Eat from it, and you and only you will know the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be just like God, able to judge the thought, intentions, and motivations of others. But it's a terrible and unbearable burden. I mean, we hardly know our own capacity for good and evil. We, we barely understand our own thoughts and our own intentions, our own motivations. Our thoughts are often just confused, disjointed, and full of fear. We often find ourselves in unmitigated messes with unregulated responses, hiding in the shameful bushes of our own regret, missteps, and betrayals. The idea that we could be the judge of others? It's really too ridiculous to consider. But there are those who believe in their own innate ability to be righteous arbiters of good judgments. They, they believe in their ability to usher in peace, tranquility, and the utopian ideals of equity to all mankind. And I don't for a moment believe these people to be insincere. In fact, it's their sincerity that is most disturbing and s- unsettling to me. It's their sincerity that scares me the most. But as I've stated before, you can be sincere and still be sincerely wrong. So what do I see? What do I feel? What do I think? How do I respond? Who am I to attempt even a response? For the past two months, I've been struggling and wrestling with these questions. I've been in a con I've been in confrontational combat with myself. But I feel it's time to speak. It's time to defend the narrow road, the middle ground, before we find the serpent coiled up and ready to strike at anyone who's in its way. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 offers these pearls of wisdom. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Yeah, yeah, don't turn your Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Keep your feet planted on the narrow path. Both sides are fraught with evil. There is no righteous side, but there is a righteous path. But this righteous ground does not make itself known easily, nor is it self evident. Remember, it's shrouded in knowledge, and its originator, its author, is a snake. To walk this path, one must follow the path of the righteous one, the one who outmaneuvered and outlasted the serpent, the one who was tempted with everything, the entire world of kingdoms without end, and still did not miss the mark of sacrificial love, the one who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. And the same one invites us, beckons us to walk this path, to deny ourselves, take up our own cross daily, and follow him. This imagery is clear. If you want to walk above this world to be a true overcomer, to master the serpentine path, you will need an object of sacrificial love and sacrificial pain to fix your mind and heart upon. At its core, this is a mental invitation to deny the, to deny the fleshly, worldly, and corrupt passions of ideological knowledge, as well as the self-righteous confidence that comes from knowing only what you know. It is an invitation to stand on the head of the serpent with the one who crushed its head, took its crown, and made it once again subservient to the will of God. Through his refusal, through Jesus' refusal to be a worldly king, instead he braced and earned his true title, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, through sacrifice and through love. As as it's written in Isaiah 52, Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as many were appalled at him, his appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what they have not been told, and they will understand what they have not heard. It doesn't end there. The thought is picked up and expanded by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. In your relationships with other, with another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature a God, uh, being excuse me, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage, rather. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and in earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The glory is never on the other side of arrogance, ego, and knowledge. The glory is on the other side of humility, sacrifice, and love. My hope is that those who have eyes to see and ears to hear will awaken from the religious slumber that has captured and shrouded the authority of the message of true freedom and true liberty in the sacrificial example of Christ because beloved it's not what we say that betrays us it's what we do that ultimately tells everyone around us what we really believe and what we're really all about it doesn't matter how much worship you attend on Sunday morning if you are not willing to take those that same worshipful stance and attitude and posture into the rest of the week to be a conduit of sacrificial love to the world around you to be kind to be compassionate, to be humble, to seek the truth, but always in love. This is truth, and we all know it, feel it, and experience it. We all know how to spot the hypocrite in others, but it's only when you balance on the back of the serpent that you realize and understand the hypocrite in you. There's not so much room on the back of the snake, and it doesn't make allowance with allowances for those who aren't sure about who they are and what they really believe. So the narrow path is before us. It's not just before us as a nation, not just before us as a state, not just before us as a world. It's before us here in our own locality, in your locality, wherever you may be. It's always in front of us. I pray that we set our eyes towards the narrow path. It calls us to become what has not yet been fully formed within us, to live, love, and create with imagination and beauty the world that we would all wish to live. Blessings and peace, and thank you once again for listening to Enlaboro. Break each other's hearts, it's a cold blood in love, it's a cold blood in love, helps us break each other's heart, it's a cold blood in love.